hop right in. I guess I should have waited a second. No, I love it. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Of the Publishing Persuasion. I am Angela Montoya, author of Sinner's Isle, coming in October. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Coming October 31st of 2023. Yay! Did um, you just give I... us an actual date instead of saying sure fall? Yes, I sure did. I sure did, Melanie. Coming Halloween of 2023. Yes, Halloween, baby. It's happening. I swoon. I'm literally like fangirling and I could cry. <laughs> that was such a crafty little drop. You were like waiting to see if I would notice. <laughs> I was. I was like, eh? Hey, Melanie? Well, I may yeah. have to cut this out depending on what you're allowed to reveal, but feast your eyes on this. Oh yes. Can you is that a it? is that a pre-order receipt? That is a pre-order. I have learned today I can pre-order from Barnes and Noble, apparently oh. to Australia. One copy of Sinner's Isle pre-ordered. More to come when I get my next royalties paycheck from Godsmacked. <laughs> yes. You, yes, it's happening. You heard it here, everybody. Uh, you can now pre-order Sinner's Isle. Uh, not on all sites yet, but on uh Barnes and Noble as Melanie has just said, and Amazon for sure. So everybody, please buy 25,000 copies right now. Easy peasy. So it's happening. So yes, thank you. It is. <laughs> Amazon didn't work for me, for Australian listeners. I don't know why. Usually Amazon does work, but apparently Barnes & Noble is bringing it. Well, you know, Barnes & Noble just in here, just working hard. <laughs> How do you feel? Um, I feel good. I felt like... Um, I, I, I saw the email pop up and it's the email I've been waiting for, you know, for forever since we like finalized the cover yeah. and I was driving the kids and I saw my email pop up from Bria, my editor. And it was like, you know, Sinner's Isle cover reveal info. And I was like, oh. and it, and so I hit the gas. I didn't even stop the car. I kicked the kids out. They tumbled on the ground I just, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> pulled over and like read. And, um, and so, you know, there's, a, there's like a little bit to it, like you, you have, you know, want to wait to actually reveal the cover until all pre order links are live and ready. So as soon as people see it, they can buy it. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, it was so fun. And when I saw the, the pub date was October 31st, I was like, how freaking cool is this? I mean, I know it's far out, but it's my birthday. So <laughs> Did they know? Did they know that? No, she didn't even know. No. I, I, I emailed her and I was like, oh, how funny, um, you know, October 31st. And she was like, yeah, that's what the um, the publishing, uh, I don't know what she called, I can't remember what she called them, but that's what the publishers basically decided on. And I was like, um, that's my birthday. <laughs> she was like, well, that's fun. So now pirate themed everything in October. It's happening. This is amazing. I thought they must surely know. That is like some divine, like, it's that makes the whole launch and everything extra, like, epic. Because people are already going to be like, it's your birthday. And you can be like, well, motherfucker, it's by my book. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's my book, it's my book baby's birthday. Yeah, she she's being birthed on October 31st, just like this sweet angel right here you're looking upon was birthed 
October 31st. So it just works. It works out. And now, you know, if anybody says, oh, what do you want for your birthday? Now I can say you, if you love me, if you've ever loved me, if you've ever had a conversation, you have to buy 20 copies of Sinner's Island. That's what I'm <laughs> So when we release this, it should be like officially cover released. I I think, I mean, if not, it's still okay. Cause it's still, yeah. if they want find the yeah. pre-order links please do right <laughs> i bought my book today <laughs> oh my god my my strapless bra is gonna fall off i can't bounce <laughs> like that yeah that's a different show that's a different show melanie <laughs> but it's <laughs> i mean last show sounded like it was going in that direction let's be honest <laughs> you're throwing your kill top um <laughs> i digress what was i saying Oh, I was going to ask you if you had bought a copy because honestly, it's the first thing I would do. I probably, I'm not going to lie, I'd probably buy 10 or so of my own book. Yes, I think I'm going to just like buy a, like at least a copy or two from each thing. I'm just going to like. Yes. Why not? Investing in yourself. You know what? I love this. Some people may not think that this is cool, but I think this is so cool. I think it's like one of the coolest ways to like, love on yourself and cheer for yourself and just be like, I have a fucking book coming out. I'm going to buy it. So that vendor has to restock it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Restock that. <laughs> when you walk into bookshops, you'll just be like, <laughs> you better order some more. Cause I'm coming back next week. <laughs> exactly. You'll have to go in disguise. Cause you'll be so famous by them. They'll be like, Oh yeah. 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 No, they won't recognize me because if I, if I'm just coming in my natural like habitat of no makeup, uh, no like nice dress that's in my author photo, they won't recognize me. They won't know. They will. They (laughs) will. You have presence and presence constructed. Sure. Let's speaking of presence, I just want to just want to bring the the viewers, if you're watching this, I'd like you to bring your attention to Melanie Schubert and this lace <laughs> goddess, vampire-esque nights, uh, you know, just with, with a little hint of ice cream cone. Is that what those are? They're little naked mushroom ladies. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's right, with the butt. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're so cute. They're like handmade by a lady in Russia. Aren't they cute? Very, very cute. Okay, yeah. They look Not like ice, ice creams cream. from far away. Yes, they're little ice creams with butts. Little mushrooms. Yes. I have to thank Jess Para for making Jess Para pops up every episode without fail. I know. But I know. um she single-handedly made my wardrobe a lot cooler <laughs> by introducing me to black milk, which is actually an Australian brand, but I had oh. no idea it existed because it's all online. There's not like a physical shop. So you have to know it's online. And anyway, she she gave me like a, a $50 voucher to spoil myself when we finished Pitch Wars. Nice. <laughs> the sweetest thing ever. And once it was like the gateway voucher to uh, what I would call a borderline black milk addiction while I was in lockdown. But no regrets because waiting for those little shiny parcels from black milk to come through on lockdowns was like got me through that and bts and rupaul's drag race (laughs) hey you know what 
I think that's a pretty good, that's a trifecta right there. That's a good combination. And I, I don't, I, I doubt Phil's complaining with that lace. No complaints. Are you up to date with RuPaul's? Yeah. Yeah. There's, was it three? Are we three or four episodes in? What did you think of Snatch Game? I loved it. Okay. I so loved Snatch it. Game is like kind of iconic for being bad. Like when I first started watching RuPaul's and they say it's such an iconic thing, it's so funny. But honestly, 90% of Snatch Games, there's like one queen who does a good job and the rest are like as cringe as some of the ones you saw. So bad. So bad. Sugar and Spice really just, I, I honestly, I felt very bad for Sugar and Spice. It was cringe. They, yeah. Theirs was cringe. But then... As you watch it over the years, once you become a super fan, you realize the reason Snatch Game is so famous is because of how bad it is. Nobody like <laughs> remembers like the good ones specifically. It's because it's so cringe and it often like they completely bomb. <laughs> I had to know. Well, how I remember. Was. I remember Sugar and Spice completely bombing. Yeah. I know like, I, Lucy did really good, like, so but good. I think so good. Um, but I remember the bombing way, way more. That's so. I wonder if the Virgin Mary should have gone home. I could oh, not sit through that. That was cringe. Yeah. yeah. It didn't hit. It didn't hit. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Speaking of queens, our guest today is a queen in the literary agent world. Yeah. So. Renee. I'm gonna let you handle this one, although I don't see anything that's too hard to pronounce. But. <laughs> Honestly, it's just like I'm relieved how much you fuck it up sometimes because then when I think <laughs> over my words and say consummation mid-interview with the agent. <laughs> I almost I almost lost it when you said that. I almost lost my shit. <laughs> I just was like realizing as I said it, like the word was consumer, right? That was in my head. And I was trying to say um, when I consume, consume is probably the yeah. word, but it doesn't sound yeah. right. I wanted the that version of the word consumerism. So I was like, when I consumer, consummate, and I was like, fuck, not that. <laughs> Yeah. But I will read this by so you can go pick your children up <laughs> so they're not out in the rain because it's raining there non They're probably still tumbling after I kick them out of the car. They've just been tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that please me so much, that image? <laughs> I just live for it. Um, so our amazing guest today, Renee Nien. Several years in the editorial department at Random House's Colorado division provided Renee with the opportunity to work with best-selling and debut authors alike. After leaving Random House, she came to KT Literary in early 2013. She currently runs the KT Literary podcast and the Instagram feed, and also loves digging into manuscripts and helping the author shape the best story possible. Though this is great for her profession, it tends to frustrate people watching movies with her. <laughs> Relatable. With yeah. her penchant for with a penchant for looking for book recommendations, even if that means creeping on people reading in public, which she does frequently. She makes her home in Arizona with her husband and their three children. 
We're so excited to share this episode with you all. And I once again want to reiterate that if you're a true fan of the podcast, you will hop on right now, find Sinner's Isle, pre-order one for yourself and one for a friend. You will shout and scream and paint your bodies and we will all prepare for the launch of this epic book. Beautiful. Well said, Melanie. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Hello, Renee. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I know you are the host for KT Literary's podcast, right? Yes, yes. It is so exciting to be a part of a podcast that I don't have to produce or edit or (laughs) upload or come up with metadata for. I'm thrilled. That is relatable. It it will one day when I'm on another podcast, it's gonna feel surreal to not have to edit it and like <laughs> so Yeah. How heavily do you edit? Honestly, I used to our first episodes took me days to edit. But now <laughs> now I feel like we've become more natural. Uh, over the year and but also I think I'm less critical of what I need to cut out I think at the start I was like I paused there for too long yes, and, me too. and that would be those ones if it's a long pause I still cut but like honestly like all those little human things like tripping over our words saying the wrong name I tend to just leave it in now because it's just it's human right <laughs> exactly and it's it's so much more conversational just to have some of those pauses or ums or whatever. Yeah. I remember I cut out every um that my podcasting partner and I did for the first several episodes of our show. And then I was just like, forget it. I can't. Yeah. (laughs) Too many. Too many. You'd be, yeah, probably editing for days like Melanie or Melanie. Yes. Yes, I yeah. absolutely was. I totally get but it. Not now. Now it's more of like a, I just listen back and put some major cuts in where the jingle, the jingle needs to go in or whatever. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great to have you on today. Thank Tell you. us a little bit about yourself. Um. Well, I have been in publishing for I think fourteen years now, which feels very surreal. Um, Publishing was always my goal. I wrote my first book when I was like six or seven years old. It was Mickey and the Mystery, um, which clearly would be a licensing nightmare now. But um, (laughs) when I was seven, it was not a a big deal then. And, um, you know, I, my husband early on in our marriage helped my parents move out of my childhood home. He found my like childhood diary. And it basically said, I want to be a wife, a mom, and I want to write books. And I didn't know about the publishing side yet. Um, You know, I read lots of Newbery Award winners growing up, but I didn't understand, like, I don't know. I don't know that I'll be the person to ever write a book, but I'm so passionate about books. And I absolutely love watching the construction of books and the whole process of putting them together is just enthralling to me. Um, so publishing is is kind of where I always was going to end up. Um, and yeah, I've been with KT Literary just, I think last week, uh, it's been 10 years wow. that I've been with KT Literary. Yes. So it's been a while. Yeah. That's wild. I, I that I love that because it's one of those things that publishing is just this. I mean, it's not an easy business to be in and and continue to be in. And so I love hearing like longevity 
is real. It can happen. And here you are, you know, still doing the thing. And that's so cool. You were, did you work at Penguin Random House before? Yes. So that's another, like, I feel like I'm this weird, like anomaly that exists in publishing. I never once lived in New York city ever. Um, I worked for a subsidiary, like one of the imprints of Penguin Random House back when it was just Random House. Um, And they were based in Colorado Springs. And that's where I got my start in publishing because that's where I'm from. Very cool. Now, do you find like post, well, we're not really post, but like a post COVID shutdown world. I mean, has that sort of helped you, you know, because everything can be on Zoom almost Mm -hmm. now. I mean, does, do you feel like that opened a lot of doors for people who can't really afford to live in New York? I think we're in this really great time of publishing for exactly that reason. Uh, everyone's more comfortable being online and taking Zoom meetings. Um, KT Literary was kind of like on the cutting edge of that. Uh, Kate has, she started KT Literary from Denver. Um, and she had moved from New York City. She was working for a large agency. She moved to Denver and started KT Literary. And so we've always been removed from the New York publishing ecosystem. And so it really, we didn't change anything um, when the pandemic hit um, because we were already pretty widespread across the nation. I moved to Phoenix about seven years ago. Um, and so I've been working remotely long before COVID hit. Um, and so now we have people who, uh, we have a, a new agent in Portland. We used to have somebody in New York City. Um, they ended up moving. Um, I think we have somebody in St. Louis, a couple of people in Colorado. I'm holding down the Southwest, a few people in California. We are really, truly all spread out. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah, and we do a Zoom meeting every single week um, where we all get on and talk about our newest projects, um, talk about questions, um, just, you know, best practices. Um, every single week we get FaceTime all together and it's it's really wonderful. I get that vibe from your agency. It's like a real close knit community. The vibe of it, I, it, it comes through. It honestly like has this like just warm, nurturing family environment. It kind of shines through with you guys. So, I love hearing that. That is all, Kate. Um, she has incredible taste in people, and so everyone that she brings on just feels like they are just a new part of a pre existing. Um, I, I want to say family, like it sounds really yeah, no, right, but it's really <laughs> true. Um, we just had uh, two weeks ago, we had our agent retreat um, where it was just agents um, and we met in Scottsdale and just hung out and we talked about everything from, you know, publishing business, gossip, um, what we're reading, what we're watching to, you know, family and kids and all of that fun personal stuff. Um, you know, tears were shed, lots of laughter. It was just incredible. Um, and some of these people, it was my very first time meeting them in person. Um, and it just felt really comfy and cozy and like, truly, I can't say enough good things about our agency. I got chills, like listening to that. It's so special and, you know, kind of like dealing with or not dealing with, but like 
listening to other writers and and people in the industry um, kind of having to grasp this whole Harper Collins strike and situation and like the BS that's happening, um, you know, like for one part, I was like, oh, I just have to remember this is just a business, you know, it's just mm-hmm. business, like separate it. But but it's really kind of I don't want to feel that way. I, I love hearing these kind of things where it really is there's a human side to this mm-hmm. and especially with agents because it always feels like you know writers who are getting ready to query or mm-hmm. you know are in the trenches agents are these like are the the gods they are the gatekeepers and you know it, you almost separate human from yeah. agent and so i love hearing that you guys get together and just like just bullshit and have a great time yeah. <laughs> I got chills for a different reason because what you said is exactly how I feel about that beautiful person on the other end of the camera, the ability without fail to pick people to come on and we just talk and it feels so natural. Like, a, mm. like you said, like I'm all about the cheese. So I'm just going to say like family, we call them our pub persuasion fam, our pub persuasion girls. Once you've been on your pub persuasion crew for life and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Like I, I feel so happy meeting people as well where it's just like we're all here to cheer each other on and celebrate and it's such a joyous thing when you find that community that is very true and that is why I am in no hurry to leave KT Literary um and I know Sarah Megabo specifically has said the same thing and she Kate hired her a few years after I came on but she's the other person who's been with the agency the longest and she's basically like I'm I'm good this is where I'm going to be forever. Um, and I feel the same way. Like I'm, I have no intention of leaving. Oh, I love to hear that. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. I, now I understand you are close to queries. Yes. Um, do you guys ever like bounce queries off of each other or like, you know, since you are zooming and you're, you're all best friends, like, do you guys, you know, Hey, this doesn't work for me, but it might work for Sarah or somebody else. Constantly. Um, at least at least once a week. It is, it is all the time. Hey, I, this came through. It looks great. I'm not looking for it right now. Or I just signed someone who is similar or whatever. Um, or even just like, I thought about you, you would be a great fit for this. Um, we did that recently. We had, um, an agent leave us and we actually split up all of their existing clients, the agents read all of their material. There were, you know, there was kind of handpicked. Um, Kate and Hannah sat down, and I think Sarah was there too. And they said, "Okay, this person would be a good fit for Renee. This person would be a good fit for Kari. This person would." And we, they actually like kind of match made with our existing clients, and it's been pretty great so far. So yeah, not only are we willing to do that at the query stage, but we're also able and willing to do that. Um, if an agent has to leave for whatever reason. How did you find your way into KT Literary? Um, like what what was the the way in on that situation? <laughs> yeah, I was working. So the part of Random House I was working for was um, Christian Publishing. And while that is my where I come from, that is not where I wanted to continue going. Um, and really kid lit has always been my thing. And I knew that um, Maureen Johnson's agent lived in Denver and I had read and loved everything that Maureen had done. And just, I think I saw her at a Barnes and Noble or something. Like I started following her on social media and she just had her son, Sean, 
And so I saw pictures of him on Twitter and whatever. And then I see this baby at like the book event. I see this baby crawling around at the tattered cover. And I was like, oh my God, I think Kate Testament's here. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's here. And I was absolutely fangirling. And my husband, who I had dragged with me, was like, go introduce yourself. I was like, I can't. Oh my gosh, I can't. And he did. He just like shoved me. And so I was like, hey, I don't, you don't know me really, but we follow each other on Twitter and I recognize your kid. And like, I work in Christian publishing, but I want to get into kid lit. And she was so gracious and kind. And we had a little Twitter back and forth for about 18 months. Um, And then one day I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I really want to be in kid lit. So I just sent her my resume and I said, if you ever want somebody to read for you, um, I would love to be that person or be considered for that. And I was pregnant with my daughter at the time. She said, let's meet up. Let's, let's hang out. I know you're having a baby soon, but let's, let's have a chat. And she told me she was pregnant with her daughter and was going to need somebody to kind of take over while she was on maternity leave. So it was just natural. And, and it was this really like magical time in publishing where like everything happened on Twitter um, and only Twitter. And I was able to kind of make that connection that way. Yeah, that's so cool. Did you find a big contrast going from like Christian publishing to traditional like agenting? Um, no, because I was in editorial at um at the Christian publisher. I was the editorial assistant. So I I was very, very familiar with what agents did. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think mostly it was just like the inclusivity and like how excited I got about the projects versus, you know, the nonfiction projects that really did not get my blood pumping at my previous job. That makes total sense. What what genres do you represent now? Um, well, I personally have um mostly YA um with and there's I feel like there's we're in this really great time of YA where people feel more free to kind of spread their wings in other directions. Um, so there are, I have a YA client who is talking about writing middle grade. I have one who's made her way into contemporary romances. Um, but KT Literary as a whole, if it's genre publishing, we do it. Um, we don't do a ton of nonfiction, though if it's um, nonfiction for children, we are all over that. Um, so yeah, pretty much. I mean, if there's a dragon or magic or an orc or, uh, something like that, we're all over it. Spaceships. I love that. And what makes a manuscript just scream for your attention when it like, is there something that when you see it, just like, ah, give me more. This is the question that is so hard to ask. It's funny because writers always ask agents that question and agents always ask editors that question. So I feel like it is this kind of nebulous thing that people have a really hard time answering. And and almost everyone will say, it really just comes down to the writing. But it's true. It really is. If you've got the voice, that's it. Um, I mean, personally, I love spaceships and dragons and magic and (laughs) kissing and all of that good stuff. But, um, yeah, it it really just comes down to 
your voice and how you use it. A good pitch is, is important, obviously. Um, but it's, it really is just, yeah, the execution of those opening couple of pages. Good. Is there anything in a query letter or first few chapters that would be like an instant? No, thank you for you. Personally, I hate rhetorical questions. Uh, Have you ever wondered if you could save the world? What would you do if you woke up and turned into a bug? Whatever. Like those kinds of questions are, they're so nebulous. It doesn't hook me individually. It doesn't tell me anything about your character um, or your setting or whatever it is that makes your book special. Um, so I think that's, and that's the other thing that I always try to tell writers, querying writers, is use really specific language. Don't say that your themes are friendship and uh, finding yourself. Be really specific about why your book is telling the story that it is. Mm -hmm. That may, honestly, it makes perfect sense because I do remember like trying to get my query ready and thinking it was so clever, but it was, you know, just <laughs> like he does this thing. And if he doesn't, you know, get this, the world ends and they're like, okay, but, but why does the world end? Like, what is like, give us the details that really hooks us. Yeah. And, and, you know, cause everybody has these big stakes but what is it that sets yours apart? And so, yeah, adding a little more detail into it makes it makes sense. Yeah, and I love when queries have, especially if they have big stakes, I like to know about the intimacy because that's really why we're reading books. I mean, even if you think of, um, like we're watching The Last of Us right now and it's ooh, giving me the total heebie-jeebies, but the writing is so good. And the thing that makes it compelling is the interpersonal relationships. The stakes are personal. Yes, the world has this big looming thing and and she has this, this um, role to play in it, but that's not what's compelling about the story. What's compelling about the story is reluctant daddy and that relationship. So mm, that's yes. It. Yeah, I've also got that on my list. I'm hearing nothing but amazing things about it. So bump it up, bump it up on your list, Melanie. Okay, it's done. It's done. It sounds like it's going to help with my new YA. Is it zombie? Episode? Uh, it, they're, oh, they're awful. It's so awful. The <laughs> mushroom zombies. It's horrible. I don't know if it's, I can deal. <laughs> it's really like, I. it's very distressing. Um. <laughs> But episode three is Ugh. like anybody who's seen it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm sorry for those of you who haven't seen it, but episode three, I was sobbing. My husband had to turn off the TV. Like he had to pause it and be like, can I get you some Kleenex? Because your sniffing is making it so hard to hear the dialogue. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously. I was weeping. So yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't think of like the last time storytelling was so perfectly done and in and, and not a very long amount. I mean, exactly. It took us through 20 years and it was perfect and beautiful and oh, just gutted me. <laughs> and 
And I think that's exactly the kind of writing that querying people should be looking at because it is, it does so much with so little. It's there, it's the subtlety of, and I, I sound like a broken record, but it really is the subtlety of that, the very humanness of the connection. Um, you know, like, uh, sorry, Ron Swanson, he wasn't out. He hadn't had any, he hadn't had a relationship with a man, but he knew about this thing within himself. And that's not, it's, it's so barely touched on. Um, but it gives you everything you need to know with just the most gentle touch. Also Craig Mason wrote it. So if for any of you, since your podcast listeners, um, it's a TV writing podcast, um, but it's called Screen Notes or Script Notes with John August and Craig Mazin. Craig Mazin, who won the Emmy for Chernobyl and who they're just going to back up a truck and pour Emmys in his front yard for The Last of Us. Um, they talk about writing constantly. And so it's interesting to watch, to have listened to his podcast for years about best writing practices and then to put to watch him put that to use in the actual medium in which he works is delightful oh yeah what's it called again I have to start listening I think it's called script notes script notes okay it's um it has an orange logo that's okay <laughs> when I see the orange I shall know. You'll know I can email it to you and you can put it in the yeah. show notes but yeah Honestly, listening to you speak, maybe that's the secret answer that right there, show me something that shows me what it is to be human, that makes me feel mm. something. And like, that's the, my, consu my consuma consumation, consumerism <laughs> of TV and books is so all over the place. Mm -hmm. But the common thing is I can't put it down. And the common thing is when I read it, it makes me feel something, which I mm -hmm. guess, like you said, is a bit vague and nebulous, but <laughs> maybe it's just juicing that inner human experience out of ourselves and putting it into our words. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> I'm making notes over here. Like, okay, that's how you write. Okay, good. Good to know. What I love to do is Anytime I am feeling something, anytime a story really moves me, I like to take a step back and just say, why? Why does this work so well for me? Um, and my poor, poor husband, who is, <laughs> he, he works in commercial construction. That man knows nothing about how to put a story together before me. But now I think he could do a pretty good job because anytime we turn off a show and we're like brushing our teeth and getting ready for bed, I'm literally like, I have my toothbrush in my mouth and I'm like, I think the reason why that character worked is because, you know, and he just <laughs> has to hear all of it. The poor guy. It's so <laughs> relatable. I can feel my husband laughing in the other room right now because he <laughs> also at this point go beat by beat of Save the Cat, right? It's a novel. And even now when we're watching movies, he's like, oh no, it's the 50%. Can't get too happy. Something's going to change. Or he's like, is this the dark night of the soul right now? I'm like, <laughs> the one that I taught him recently was Chekhov's gun. I was like, oh, it's, it's Chekhov's gun. He was like, who? Okay, I got you covered. Yeah, yeah take notes, hon. Listen, this is what it is. <laughs> oh, I freaking love that. And my son, I've noticed, who is 13, like he's got it down. He's like, oh, okay, this is where the, this is the character arc. And like he's taking, I think he might be a budding secret author. I'm not mm, sure, but I love it. 
But yeah, he we watched The Last of Us together and he, he was just like, that's good. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's he so good. Yeah, he watched, like he played the games okay. uh, with his dad. And so like, you know, they're sitting there watching it and he's like, oh, okay, this is from this scene. And then they did it this and they gave a backstory. And I'm like, yes, they did. Wow. Thank you. Adaptations are so interesting for me to pick apart to say like, why did they make this choice? With something like Wheel of Time, it's like, why did they make this choice? And then, (laughs) you know, with something like The Last of Us, it's like, why did they make this choice? Because it worked. Yes. That was me with the City of Bones. All, all, (laughs) oh, man. It's the Storytellers, because I can just feel how we've all come alight talking about storytelling. It's just like... Talk, talk to writers about their favorite things. <laughs> Absolutely. What's a day in the life like for you? I mean, I know every literary agent is vastly different. What is it like for you? Well, I just recently um, kind of pulled out of long COVID. Um, I had COVID in January and then I got it again in June of 2022. And I was bedridden for about three months Um, and I have three, three young kids. Um, They are nine, seven and five. So that was an event. (laughs) My clients were so wonderful and so understanding. Um, But more than that, my, my coworkers really brought um, just so much like support and love and compassion for me Um, in that process. It was it was really incredible. So I, all that to say my process has kind of changed a little bit, um, because I'm not capable of looking at a screen as long as I used to be. Um, but I run our Instagram, um, and TikTok, and I also do, um, podcasts. So that's, it's a little bit different for me. Um, but Sarah has helped started helping me, um, with a couple of my clients, uh, just cause I was, I was really having a hard time watching my email inbox. Um, and so for Sarah, she gets up and I know she's working because she just five in the morning, just sending tons of emails. She's incredible in the morning. She cannot stay awake past nine o'clock. So that makes hanging out at the retreat you, that puts a real finite end on that with her. But she is incredible about being up in the morning and being in her inbox. I'm much more of a when I have the time. Um, see the aforementioned three young children. Um, so it's either you know it, an hour after I drop them off from school or whatever, or like sometimes I send emails at. 10 30, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Um, and it just depends. And that's, what's great about running the social media is like, you can kind of just give it little bits of attention all throughout the day. Um, and it was the same when I had a query inbox. Um, and I know a lot of other agents do this as well. They just kind of stand in the grocery checkout line and look at queries or, you know, they have 10 minutes. So they'll do four or five queries if they can. Um, and then, you know, there's always reading, um, to squeeze in and it's client reading and it's prospective client reading. And then you have to know what's going on in the market. So you're also reading that. And, um, so yeah, lots of reading, lots of reading, lots of juggling. 
Yes. One of the things that I say about agenting is it's kind of like um, being an OBGYN, (laughs) but not (laughs) all of your clients are giving birth at the same time. So there's just times in people's careers when they are birthing a book that you have to give them more time and attention. And then there are other times where you don't have to put as much time into it. So it, it's really punctuated with like long hours, lots of work, and then there can be stretches of no work. Hmm. That makes sense though. Uh, that's a really good, I mean, comparison. I, think. I feel like any agent who, fe- who he is, that is going to feel so seen by <laughs> help authors understand like why sometimes the light passes on moves somewhere else and focuses what would you say the hardest part for you is about being an agent off the record you don't have to cut this out I hate babysitting my inbox I hate just hey I'm following up on the follow-up of the follow-up email that I sent and some of that has gone away um through COVID just because we all are doing our best and that's it And following up on the follow-up of the follow-up doesn't help anyone if they're struggling with long COVID or doesn't help anyone, you know, whatever they have going on, if their working location is changing, something like that. So I'm seeing a shift away from that, Um, at least within our agency. People are not doing that as much. Um, So that's great news for me personally. Um, it's also really hard to be the focal point for those rejections for your authors. And I know like agents sometimes have a hard time or like get a bad rap for being the people who always say no, uh, for being really snobby, for rejecting people two, three, four, seven, twelve 12 times. But the reason we do that is because the people we do take on, we are their biggest fans and we have to go to bat for them. And so we have to be really picky in who we take on so that our clients that we do have, editors know that that they are the best of the best and that they deserve our time and attention. We certainly at KT Literary, we are not a throw spaghetti at the wall kind of agency. Um, and so we are, are pretty exacting in who we pick um, to be our clients. Uh, but th- being that, that like focal point of the rejection for your author is really hard because it's always a project that you love. You don't take something on unless you really see it succeeding. Um, So to hear, I just didn't love it can be really hard. Um, And there's a lot behind that. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of reasons why editors say I didn't love it. Maybe they really just didn't love it, but also maybe they have something else on their list that's similar, or maybe they have, um, I don't know, what, whatever it may be, um, or they're just, maybe the writing really isn't there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the, it's passing along rejection after rejection after rejection can be really hard. Hmm. That makes complete sense though. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things we always, we hear the no, but you guys hear the no as well. And it's, a, it's crushing no matter what. What's and we one? hear it for you, but we also hear it for at all of the other clients that we have too. Oh yeah. That's a lot. Definitely. (laughs) What would say, what is the best part for you? 
I mean, certainly that yes is always incredible. Um, I remember one of one of the books that I sold for my client Jesse Hilb. We were on the phone talking about like you've been out on sub for a month. We need to maybe come up with a new list. And as I was on the phone with her, an offer letter came through, yes. and it was like oh, you're. <laughs> like just the elation uh it was unparalleled um so that's incredible but really holding a physical book in your hand that you helped bring into the world is fantastic i mean we clearly have a lot less to do about it than the writers but it's still even having just a little piece of that um I imagine it's how an OBGYN feels holding a baby they helped give birth to. Yes. (laughs) But you also got your name and the acknowledgements of that baby. It's wonderful. That's it. That's it right there. That's the beauty and the magic of it. You really are taking place and helping birth this book into the world. And it is so special. And, you know, we couldn't do it without you guys. So it's, it's magic all the way around. Exactly. And I think that's, this is like why we love having agents on the show, because like one of the big reasons is like to humanize the person behind it, you know, because it's not some big overlord who just like takes delight in saying no, like they're a human on the other end, trying to make a living, trying to represent what they love. Sometimes the book just isn't ready. I'm sure you get a bunch of books that aren't even what's on your list. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like part of the process. But it's so good to hear about it. And yeah, I see our time has evaporated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I got really chatty. This was so fun. No, we love it. Yes, this is the perfect episode. We had so much fun having you on and just chatting with you about everything. I mean, OBGs, we've got zombies. We've got it all on this episode. You can't beat it. Yes. And I'm just relieved to hear, other. you know, like I always call it my book baby. And then you hear people, they're like, no, you shouldn't call it your baby. Some people have a real chip on their shoulder. So I am fully embracing your whole metaphor that you've got going. And I'm just, I'm going to call them my book babies because they are. (laughs) You absolutely should. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. We um, look forward to putting this out there for the world, for everybody to hear, because you had so many amazing things to say. So so thank thank you. you. Thank you.